everybody, welcome back. After the long, elongated break of the podcast, had to do, you know, some things, get married, go on a honeymoon, so I put them on pause. But now, we're back. We're running with podcasts again on the Warrior Mindset Motivation Podcast. I am your host, retired Army Sergeant First Class Eric Castillo, and I'm also a life coach at Zimi Wellness Center in Indigenous Sovereignty. Today, over here, let me see if I could, the guest to my left, even though she's not here, but I'm looking this way. I had to do the double take for a second. Um, she, I uh, got got connected with her through uh, Carmelo Rodriguez. He was the guy who came on a while ago where he was uh, declared dead by the VA and went through that whole fight to become alive again. Super crazy. He's got a book. Y'all need to check it out. And he's got some other stuff in the works that you guys need to check out too. But he put me in contact with this um, phenomenal person here. She's running for Congress for her district. Her name is Mariela Roca. And, you know, I was just telling her before we came on, politics and me don't go well because I probably would just irritate everyone. They would try to talk circles and I'd be like, no, stop. I don't even understand. You, you, you're dumb. You don't make any sense. That just sounds wrong. I know what right and wrong is and I don't know politics. And she said that's probably why I should go run for something. You yeah. know, but I'm figuring it out as I go. <laughs> it's so, not rocket science. <laughs> so that, that's that's how my politic thing would go. Um, probably be going all platoon sergeant on everyone in Congress and calling people names. But hey, uh, they never know. They might like that. You know, you, look, Donald Trump won, and he was completely a different breed. So hey, you never know. But um, I'm gonna let her talk about herself. She's got a pretty interesting story. Um, and it's really compelling on all the stuff that she went through growing up as a kid and things and where she went and her and, you know, joining the military and the wise and things. So enough of me talking. I'm going to let her now pass the mic over to her and let her go on and talk about herself and things she's done and why, she, how, not why, but how she got to where she is and what kind of drove her to do that. Go ahead. So, yeah. Hey, thanks, Eric, for having me. This is awesome. This is my first podcast. It's so nice to meet you. This is our first time actually talking and meeting over a uh, video, but yeah, um, like like uh, uh, Eric said, we connected through Carmelo Rodriguez. His story is so crazy. As soon as I heard that, I actually have a friend, one of my best friends in the Air Force. Something similar happened to her while she was still on active duty. One day she she didn't get paid, and it was a whole like long, not as long as drawn out as Carmelo's, but that totally made me think of her. <laughs> so that's crazy. So yeah, um, I guess I'll just start off talking about uh, uh, my backstory. So I was born in Puerto Rico uh, to a single mom. She, um, me and my brother, she kind of took care of us on her own. When we were three, we actually ended up moving to New York City. So we lived in New York City for about 10 years in, in Queens, New York. And I think this is important because that's part of, you know, who I am and where, where I've been and what I've done. Um, I was, we lived there for 10 years. I did elementary and a little bit of middle school. So I was younger. I really, people say, Oh, you lived in New York. You know, I was, I left when I was 13. So I don't remember the spots to go like hang out and that kind of stuff. I just remember where I lived where I went to school. At. When I was 13. We ended up moving back to Puerto Rico. Um, just one of those things where we, my mom decided, hey, it's time to go back back to Puerto Rico, which I think was really important because that kind of helped me kind of keep that part of me. Um, so I, I finished middle school in Puerto Rico and went to high school. I graduated high school in 2003 and 
by that time when I graduated, I have a bit uh, older brother. He actually had already joined the Marines. So he always wanted to be in the Marines as long as I remember. That's just what he always talked about. So by the time I uh, graduated high school, he had already left. Um, it's funny because in my during my senior year, me and one of my good friends, one of my best friends, uh, the recruiters had came to the school in Puerto Rico and they were giving the ASVAB test. So me and her kind of said, oh, let's go take the test because we actually wanted to get out of class. <laughs> and funny story, I think I was the only one out of the group that actually passed it that day. Um, and they were, you know, recruiters were quickly calling me and, you know, I was just like, I'm not interested right now. It's not what I want to do. So after I graduated high school, I actually, uh, my mom had by that time had gotten uh, sick. She had a lot of back problems, so she couldn't work anymore. So right after high school, I had to get my first job. I was a waitress at Chili's. <laughs> Part of the perseverance story, you know, when I realized oh, God, I have to get a job, I don't know how to find a job. So I just started, I remember I, I loved uh, Chili's and it, was, it just seemed like a cool place. And I went over there and said, hey, you guys are hiring. They're like, no. And I literally had to keep calling them and bugging them basically to give me a job. And eventually they did. Um, so I did that for about a year and a half. I was also going to college at the same time. I did a, a year of college. I actually wanted to be a dentist back then. So I was doing uh, pre-med. Um, and, you know, it was just me and my mom living in Puerto Rico. And, you know, she, it, it, even when we were younger, she, you know, she was a single mom. We didn't have mon much. We weren't necessarily extremely poor. We always had a clean bed to sleep on, nice clothes, food. Um, but just got to a point where, you know, her back was bothering her and she couldn't work anymore. And I literally remember being in college in Puerto Rico, sitting on the in the hallway waiting for the professor to arrive, and I just thought for me, I think join the military. And I, I, I literally it was just kind of like that. I said, I think this is what I want to do. You know, my brother had, like I said, was already in the military, and he kind of said, if you ever join the military, you better join the Air Force. <laughs> like I'm in the Marine, and I've already been seen. You know, join the Air Force. So that's what I did. I, I listened to my uh, big brother uh, one of the few times that I've actually listened to him. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was a, in 2005, uh, I think November or December of 2005. Um, and my mom had already gone through the whole spiel with my brother because he enlisted, I think, when he was 16 in 11th grade. So he still had his senior year and he was in the delayed entry program for, for a long time. So she had already gone through the spiel of the recruiters and, you know, Puerto Rican mom being Puerto Rican with the recruiter. <laughs> the same thing. I said, hey, mom, I want to join the airport. She's like, oh, okay, here we go. So she went with me. I remember she went with me to the recruiter's office. Um, and that was about November. And I also had to get into the delayed entry program, but I wasn't, I didn't wait for long. I left that next March. Um, so it's actually funny, not not funny, but I remember going to Chili's and hey, I decided I want to join the military. Like, I'm just letting you know, please tell me what you need, me, need from me. And she's like, what? You're joining the military? She's like, she said, 
you'll be back. So we'll just hold your job for you. You're not going to make it. Literally told me I wasn't going to make it. Um, and I said, you know what? Okay, you, I'll show you. Yes, I am going to make it. And, you know, eventually went to basic training, did that whole thing. Basic training was definitely a different experience. <laughs> As you already know, being in the course, doing something that you've never done before, exercising, waking up early, doing all those things, you know, but I did it because, you know, I had my mindset. This is what I wanted to do. Uh, so uh, after basic training, I went to my tech school. That's what they call in the Air Force, basically the, your, your school where you're going to learn your job. And I, the job that I was given was a medical logistics uh, technician, um, a loggy. Uh, so I was at uh, Wichita Falls, Kansas, uh, Texas was where my basic training was. It was a quick, short one, about six weeks. And after that, uh, while I was in my tech school, I got my first duty assignment. And, you know, I went in and uh, you, we had dream sheets in the Air Force where you kind of show, say, hey, I really wouldn't want to go here. It had all my bases in Florida. Yeah. When I walked into the office, the guy said, oh, you're going to Andrews Air Force Base, Maryland. And I literally said, oh, okay. And I walked out <laughs> and I said, where's Maryland? I didn't even know where Maryland was on the map. Um, I literally knew New York because that's where we live in Florida. I literally did not know any of the states that were in between because I lived in Puerto Rico for such a long time. So I looked up and I said, oh, there's Maryland. Close to Park. So ended up coming to Andrews in 2005. Um, then uh, in 2007, I honestly don't even remember where I was. I got the news that I had gotten orders to deploy to Afghanistan. So that actually 2006, I got my orders and, you know, there's a process that you have to go through to prep, get your vaccinations and all that kind of stuff. Um, and in the air force, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like it's not a lot of the other service do this. When you deploy, most of the time you leave by yourself. It's not like in the army when what? you deploy, it's your whole unit. What? <laughs> it's not like literally. It was me and this other guy that was me was us out at E three. He was at four, and really, here's your packet. Here's your plane ticket. Find your way to Afghanistan. <laughs> so we, I, and I remember we got driven to BWI here, Baltimore um, substation at Andrews, and there's a AMC terminal there. So we we went there and just got on a plane and made our ways to Afghanistan. Um, that definitely was a interesting experience. Even when I was in the Air Force and I had gotten orders, there were a lot of people saying, "Oh my God, you're getting deployed? Seriously?" I'm like, "Yeah, what's wrong with that? Like, I could do this." Um, yeah, it's not normal for Air Force. Like, I know, I know. I've I've learned that in the Air Force. I mean. There's two groups of people. The people that deploy, once you deploy, I don't know, there's something about they tag you and you deploy usually more than once. And then there's the other group of people that never deploy. There's, They're going like other places. Yes. There's, yeah. So I, I know a lot of the, a lot of friends that were in this, these two categories, you either deploy or never deployed ever. And it was like, we can never figure out like why one person was always the one being tagged versus somebody else not. But anyways, 
So made it made it all the way to Afghanistan. I remember it was in January. Um, we actually had a stop before um, the the plane that left BWI. It made a lot of stops, and then our last stop before Afghanistan was a base called Manus. I think that base is not there anymore. No, it's still there, Kyrgyzstan. Yes, 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 Kyrgyzstan. Man, yeah, cold so as still, hell there. It's it's still there. Yeah, it's yeah. A, it's it's a hub in central, like for in general. It's 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 more like a passing through type hub. It's still there. Okay. Um, because it's it's a it's an ally country, so okay. they keep it there for like logistics and supplies and things yeah. like that. But yeah, it's very run down, very small. Yeah, I, I remember know. we got there. Like you know, when you get to Manus, that's like your stop, and then you have to go to the terminal and basically get on a list and wait mm -hmm. for your turn to get on the next military flight to wherever yeah. you're going. So we were stuck there for about a week. I mean, it was pretty nice to kind of have a little bit of downtime, and then finally a week later, we got on our flight and in Afghanistan. My first time ever on a military plane. I mean, just because you're in the Air Force doesn't mean you work <laughs> with planes. I worked, you know, in the hospital in my duty station at Andrews. And I remember, you know, the plane do doing its, like, special landing. And yeah, I remember going like, down. I'm like, what's going on? And they're like, oh, we're doing the, the, the combat landing. I'm like, combat landing? Oh, okay. <laughs> I guess we're going to Afghanistan. <laughs> Um, so you said you were there in 2006, 2007. I got my orders in 2006 and got there January of 2007. Oh, I was going to say, cause I was in Iraq in 05 to 06 or 04 to 06. So that's why I was like, Oh wait, we were deployed at the same time, almost just different places. Yeah. yeah, no, <laughs> It was uh, January 2007. And then we got there and literally, you know, you get there, we kind of, figured out like, well, Hey, we're loggies. We got to go to the hospital. We're at the hospital. So we made her to the hospital and got to the log section. And literally the, the person that was there in charge, she literally looked at me and this other guy and said, what's your name? And we told her, and they're like, wait a minute. She's like, I'm supposed to have 10 people. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, not 12. She's like, why do we have two extra people? She's like, I don't know. This is new because that that deployment was the first deployment at Bagram where the Air Force was taking over a lot of the like stuff, especially medical. So it's mm -hmm. like the first time the Air Force was kind of in doing that role. And she was like, oh, somebody probably got their numbers wrong. <laughs> so we, we kind of literally, we they didn't even have spots for me and him to sleep. They're like, we don't, like our numbers were off. We don't know why you're here, but okay. So <laughs> about... Two days later, she calls us into our, her office and she's like, hey, so I got a phone call and really you're not supposed to be assigned here to the hospital. You're supposed to be assigned to the BTF. I said, what's the BTF? I don't know what that is. She's like, it's the Bagram Theater Internment Facility. It's the prison. It's like the detainee prison. It's like, what? I was like, oh, I'm so confused. Like, why do we have to go there? She's like, I don't know. I guess they have a clinic there and they need to lobby. So that's where you got to go. So we ended up figuring out where this place was at Bagram and headed over there. And that was definitely a wild experience. You know, not to go into too many details of like specifics, but. I get it. Just being around, you know, in prison, around teens, and seeing that type of things was just like so eye-opening. Um, and I know I was one of the fortunate ones that I, you know, deployed and came back, 
you know, without injuries and one piece. Um, but just, you know, just because you don't have those types of outside physical injuries, you know, there's things that you see that kind of stays with you forever. (laughs) So that was definitely a a, a wild experience. So, you know, I was there for my deployment. You know, I love my deployments. Actually, I tell everybody deployments were, were my favorite part of being in the military. Oddly enough, you know, I loved being there, doing my job, mm-hmm. having different experiences, meeting a lot of the local Afghani people that were there. There were a lot of people that would come to the gate in the mornings to like for work. They kind of come every day and then they would like vet them and bring them in like to kind of come help. Um, we were actually, I was actually there in the process when they were moving the hospital from the old facility to a new facility. Um, it was a, a, from like a wooden facility to an actual like brick and mortar, like concrete facility. So they had a lot of like lo- locals coming and, you know, helping. And, you know, we kind of like build, I don't know, friendly relationships with them in, in, in a weird sense. And you kind of got to see how, you know, just because you're in Afghanistan, not everybody is the bad guy. Um, there's a lot of people that were very grateful for us to be there and the help, the opportunity, you know, to get to have a job for a day and like, you know, make whatever they got to make for the day and go take care of their families. So I did that and then eventually, you know, went back, came back home, back to Andrews. Um, I was there for about two more years and then I got PCS to McDill Air Force Base in Tampa. I finally got my my Florida assignment, <laughs> my Florida assignment that I always wanted. Um, ended up making it to McDill. Um, so I was there for about a year, I think. And then in 2010, I got my second deployment. Um, I got the news that I was getting deployed again. This time I was heading off to Qatar. At- Vacation spot. that is funny that you actually know that i mean yeah i was at camp australia that was like the r&r place where a lot of people from the army that were forward deployed would come back and if they Mm -hmm. weren't home they went there for two weeks so i only got four days Yeah, I don't know how long it was. They were just there. I could be wrong. Two weeks, four days. Yeah, I just know that however long people were there, they were so happy to have like a little break. When I was there, I remember there was a Chili's and it was like very like, I got time to decompress. Um, I was actually at Usam C. Swa. That's one of the hubs of like medical logistics going into theater. You know, all the supplies would come in through Germany, go to, to, to Qatar, and then we would kind of like forward ship all the medical sl- supplies and equipment down to like the different um, places, theaters. So I was there, I was supposed to be there for about six months and actually about a week or two before I was time for me to go home, I got a Red Cross message saying that I basically needed to come home because my mom was in the hospital and she was sick. Mm. so that was like oh my god like I remember I didn't I don't even think I slept for like a whole 24 hours because I had to like rush to pack all my stuff put it on a pallet um Mm -hmm. figure out my flight home um so eventually got on a flight 15 hour flight straight back from 
LUD, uh, one of whatever, wherever the airport was, uh, <laughs> to, to Dallas, and then all the way, made the way to Tampa, and you know, got to the hospital, and my mom was sick. Um, and then I guess that's kind of like where my transition out of the military kind of started was that whole sequence of events because obviously I, I was already on my second um, contract. I had already re-enlisted. I was about a year into my second contract. And when I got home, my mom was sick. She ended up having uh, stage four uh, brain cancer. She had a brain tumor. Um, so it was like very aggressive. And I kind of became her primary caregiver. She's already living with me in Florida. And it was just like, very difficult. Um, we were talking earlier about like what, you know, transition out of the military for some people, it's a little easier. Some people it's a little harder. I think in a sense, in some instances it was easy because I thankfully was able to um, make it here to Frederick in Frederick, Maryland, where the biggest head, the headquarters of medical logistics and the DOD is here in Frederick, the army, Air Force, Navy, they're all at Fort Detrick. Um, so I ended up here and I was in that sense, it was easy because I was able to get a job fairly easily in the medical logistics community. But the transition coming out of the military because of the fact that my mom was sick, I had gotten Red Cross home. I didn't really have a chance to kind of come back home and like decompress after like being away such a long time. It's like home it was just craziness for like a very long time. And she got really sick. Um, unfortunately, she passed away a year and a half after she had gotten diagnosed um, with her brain tumor. Um, and like one of the biggest things that I take away from that whole thing was, you know, just going through the whole healthcare thing with her. And I remember, you know, she had brain cancer, so she couldn't have like the traditional um, chemotherapy that most people have like through IV she had to have like a pill because it was in her brain you know I guess the blood brain barrier it had to be a pill and I remember her first 30 days of her first like dose was like almost two thousand dollars for a 30-day supply I remember I remember I mean my mom didn't have much so I had to all the money that I saved you know when you go you get deployed you like if you have an apartment, you put everything away in storage because you want to save money, you know, and I got home and I, all the money that I had saved basically had to use it on helping my mom with her medicine um, and her treatments. So that was just, you know, pretty hard. Um, so eventually I asked, well, actually while I was in the Air Force, during that time was when I asked for a, in the Air Force, they called it a hardship separation. Yeah because I had a hardship in my life. It, it's still yeah. honorable discharge, but that's how they were able to let me out of my second contract early. Um, I've got friends that, that I went to basic training and they are still in. Um, I think this year would be like the 16th year if I was still in the military. And I kind of feel like if I hadn't left if that hadn't happened i probably would have still been in the military right now because i i didn't have plans of leaving um but i guess i'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason and unfortunately you know obviously didn't want my mom to pass away but right. those sequence of events kind of put me where i'm at uh today did, so, um, <laughs> did, did maybe and, and this i don't know if you can reflect on it now 
after all that happened and your mom passed, was there time, did it ever, did you ever think like maybe going back in? Did that ever cross your mind? Like, you know, hey, maybe what if I went back in and did you entertain that thought for a second? Did it even pop in your head? I actually did for a couple years. I was like debating back and forth on like, what do I do? Like, I don't even know how to do this. How do I go back in? And I, I, I kind of was like, I should have like gone into the reserves or something. Cause I just kind of felt that sense of like, I wasn't done. Mm-hmm. I wasn't done serving. Right. Um, and then eventually life happened. I had my kids and I ended up get, getting my uh, GS federal position here at Fort Detrick working for the army. Um, so I kind of, when that happened, it kind of made me feel like, you know, I was always around military people. My bosses were, you know, active duty uh, soldiers. So it kind of, for a second, kind of made me feel like I was still in for for a second. Um, And it's kind of nice too, at least for me. I know because if I was in your shoes, I'd be like, you know what? I'm not in uniform, but you can tell me what to do, but you can't. So piss off, you know, like. No like your, your rank don't mean nothing over here. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, there's still be a boss, you know what I mean? Like, you still had to, like, listen to what your boss said, but it was a little bit different being a civilian. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I actually did think about it for a while, and then, eventually, like I said, eventually had my kid, and that kind of faded. You know, I felt like I was serving again in my, you know, federal position. Um, so I... Been at Fort Detrick ever since. That was back in 2010, 2011. Um, doing medical logistics, doing kind of the same thing that I was doing in the Air Force, just working for the Army. And I've met so many people. Like some of my best friends are people that I've met at in deployments, even in my job working here at Fort Detrick. It's just been a part of me and who I am. Um, so yeah, then you know, I got really interested. Everybody always asks me, "Well, where, where where are you at right now in your life?" Well, yeah, here I am. I'm trying to run for office. I'm trying. I'm running for Congress, and everybody asks me, "Why are you doing that?" Yeah, where did that come from? Because you, how the heck do you go from medical logistics to Congress? That's like left field and right field. That's two <laughs> different areas of the baseball field that you can't play both positions. There's no way. You no, know, so no like. Way. Where, where did that come from? I kind of, you know, I'm glad that you put it that way, like both ends of the field. Like, I, it's kind of the same when I decided I wanted to join the Air Force. Everybody was like, Mel- Mariella, military? No, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. And, you know, I did it. Um, I got really interested in, like, um, like Congress and what Congress people, men and women do a long time ago. Um, it just kind of interested me on the fact, like, you know, there's a lot of people, to be honest, even myself for the longest time, I was never really interested in like politics or like really looked, I I don't even think for the longest time I even knew who my elected officials were because a lot of people just, you know, life gets busy and things like that. So when I actually started researching and I said, I thought to myself, Oh, that's really interesting. I could do do that. That was my kids were little, and it was, it, I figured it's probably impossible right now. My kids are, are, are little, they're, they're, it's not the right time for me. Um, and about uh, within the last year, 
kind of all those thoughts, interests kind of came back. Um, I feel like a lot of us, I'm just like everybody else, you know, this last year and the last couple of years have just been so crazy and so divisive. And I feel like a lot of elected officials kind of get lost in all that. Um, and they kind of start forgetting about the main reason why they are in the jobs that they're in. They were elected by their constituents to represent them and make things better for them. So kind of like one day when I realized that I wanted to join the Air Force, I decided I wanted to do this and see how far it takes me. Right. <laughs> so um, when when is the, so you're going through the writing process now, right? When is the actual, like, I guess, uh, if I don't know the right terminologies, you have to forgive me on that. When is the voting or the balloting or the, oh, the election, election is next year? It's in 2022. Yes. Oh, okay. So it's like, it's almost like a presidential thing. You got to do a whole campaigning process and things. Right. So you you have, you, you have a job still too, or is this like your job? I always wondered that, like if people who go like on the campaign trail, like, well, what do they do for work? Or is that their work? Is that how they get an income or like, how does that work? So I'm glad you, I'm glad you asked that because yes, I still have a job. I, one of the things that makes it so hard for you know people like you and me that are not rich that are not politicians by trade to run is you still have to have a job you still have to have a life you still got bills to pay yeah um a lot of people that run they're rich they don't have to work <laughs> they can just campaign um you know and, and and i think that's sad that the system is built that way it's built so that it's, it makes it very difficult for people like you and me. I hate saying the average American like you and me, but most most yeah. of us aren't rich. Most of us can't do this. That's the main reasons why I also want to run. I want to show people that like it is possible. Like if you work hard, and like we were joking earlier, you you kind of said, "How do you even run for office?" And I would I don't even know. I said, "Hey, I'm I'm figuring this out as I go." Um, and so far, I've been at it for about two months, and it's it, it's a hard thing to, to do, yeah. but I'm motivated, I'm determined. Um, once I get something in my head, you know, I, I want to do it. Yeah, and, um, I think too, and I think that's the perseverance alone. Like, can you imagine doing, like, a higher office, like state governor or, or like, even president, but yet you have a job? Like, how are you going to go on a campaign trail, but yet you got you know, creditors saying, hey, you owe me money this month. And I'm like, uh, I'm on a presidential campaign trail there. Equifax, back off, you know, like. <laughs> no, and then, you know, I think there's been, a, that's one of the things that I, you know, kind of have on my things that, you know, if I make it through, maybe improve for other people. This process is so broken. Everything's about like money, who can fundraise the most. And it's just very difficult, you know, mm-hmm. and, so it's one of those things. I, I know there's a lot of other candidates that are kind of, you know, saying the same thing, you know, that, that how hard it is to run for office and things like that. And, you know, if I make it through, that's one of the things that I want to look at to see how we can make it easier for every anybody, basically, to kind of be able to run for these kinds of things. Right. I think what you should do, too, is 
And then I'm sure they teach this in the Air Force and the Army, too, and even how I taught my soldiers to do. If you have a problem, provide a solution for that problem. Don't just say, oh, we're going to fix it. No, people want to hear how you're going to fix it. You can yeah. sound good all day and throw promises all day, but how are you going to fix it? How are you going to make it easier? And that, you know, so that was just for you, some notes for you there. So when they say, how are you going to make it easier? Well, how are you going to make it easier? What are you going to do? And you don't have to do that now because that's not what this yeah, is yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll leave but, that for uh, another video. <laughs> that's for another one, yeah. But like that's, and I think that's where a lot of the people, um, and even at least that's from what I see, you know, with my little political experiences, uh, they, they, they want to, Tell me what I want to hear ex instead of telling me the truth. Like, okay, you're going to fix it. Cool. But what are you going to do to fix it? And then I'm going to start asking you questions. But if you can't answer the questions of how you're going to fix it, how the hell are you going to fix it? You know, like, <laughs> what are you going to do? And yeah. it's like, I don't expect them to know the answers at the moment on the spot. But give me something. Yeah. If, if, if you're a forward thinker, like how I think most should be in, in, in the political world, you can at least give me something. You can spitball me something. Yeah. And in the military, you know how many times you got to come up with something on why something yeah, happened? Improvise. Yeah. You on the spot. Yeah. Why did that break? Uh, well, see what happened. He was uh, leaning over there and then I looked this way and then the shit broke. Like, <laughs> so. Yeah. No, and one of the things, one of the other reasons why, you know, kind of prompted me is, you know, I know we hear this, hear this a lot, like representation, you know, I don't think there's enough veterans in Congress. I mean, yeah. there's just not. Um, two, there's not enough women in Congress in these positions. Um, did you know that there's never in the history of Congress been a Hispanic representative from the state of Maryland? Really? Ever. Girl, I'd use that card to your advantage. <laughs> <laughs> And there is a big community of Hispanic Latinos in this area that, mm -hmm. you know, they just don't have anybody to relate to, you know. That's that's your uno draw four right there. Yeah, it's like, a... <laughs> I, I can't believe it. When I got out, I said, no, I can't believe Wait a minute. What? And I was straight on the Congress website. It had there's a list of all the Hispanic American representatives in every state and Maryland is nowhere to be found. Dang. There you so, go. I think that's important. You know, veterans, women, minorities, people like us, I just don't feel like, like we need more representation. And that's just, right. And, and it's a shame that and I've, I've worked with some pretty spot on women, too. And it's like and everybody has their has their quirks. You know, there there are guys that are just complete crap that can't do nothing. But I think I know for me personally, and I'm, you know, I'm no feminist or meninist or whatever that's called on the man side or whatever i'm just <laughs> i'm equal like how they say in full metal jacket everyone is equally worthless until proven otherwise yes you know but um <laughs> i've worked with some pretty spot-on women that have made guys look bad like both in the physical aspect for, and this is in combat both in the physical aspect mental like tactical and technically sound like in and it's not about comparing genders it's about like dang like i want her well, what about yeah. him? No, no, forget him. I want her, you know, <laughs> like, because and I think it should, I think it's empowering and pushing. I would like the female sergeant that I had, um, I would push her. Like I would put her in the front. I worked with two. Uh, one was combo. She was like our, she was like our little sister. And I would always <laughs> try and rope her in and 
she would we would we would push her to do things and she she broke her back not literally but you know trying to keep up with us artillery guys and you know we, we respected that you know because you know physically you know women are built different than men structurally with the bones you know so it's for certain things it's hard and the the other female starting that I worked with she was a military police and she was she was a badass she was mm-hmm. you know I didn't have to worry about like okay if something happens is she going to be dead weight no she held her own in I knew that if I turned this way, because there was one time where I had to like be kind of like her overshadow bodyguard kind of, and mm-hmm. I didn't have to worry about her being technically or tactically sound because she was. But that's because I let her. I didn't try to coddle her or be like, oh, hey, no, come here. I got no. I was like, no, okay, fine. You that way. And then I just turn around, placing that yeah. trust, you know, in her. And I think that's when it comes to this, they have to do that with you. Like, hey, you know what? Let's <laughs> let her do it. Yeah, and then I think you know, that's also important too. Historically, you know, female service members in the military. Um, I know in the past couple of years, you know, things that are starting to change. You know, women are you know kind of given more opportunities, and people are seeing you know that you know we can kind of like hold our own too. Um, but I still think that you know we got a long ways to go, even in society today. You know, there I feel like. There's a lot of, I don't know what word to use, discrimination to women. Um, you know, you're a woman. I don't think you could do that. You stigma. can't really have that job kind of thing. Like a stigma. Yeah, kind of like a stigma. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Um, and if I, if I could be a voice to, you know, women and, and especially uh, female veterans in military or have served, um, you know, that's what I want to do. Right. And that goes mm-hmm. to, and now, like, when it comes to that, it's, uh, it's, you know, not just being all bark, being a bite too, you know, like, just don't be all bark and, you know, oh, I can. No, you just, it's not even really boasting. It's just doing like, hey, have you seen that person? They, they said this and then they did it, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, it's doing uh, quantifiable results, like quality versus quantity. Like, I would rather have someone who can complete a couple of tasks really good versus someone who can complete a crap ton of tasks and they're all half-ass done. You know, well, they, you have have to do. they have yeah. nothing to do with the like position that you're representing. Yeah, exactly. Not helping anybody. <laughs> exactly. Or someone who just tap dances around and not gives me any answers. You know, yeah, they answered all my questions, but they didn't really give me answers where you answered a couple of my questions thoroughly, but you couldn't answer the other ones and that's okay. But because the question I asked ask first are probably the most important and you answered those and you gave me a problem. I gave you a problem and you gave me a solution, you know, and it may not be the right one, but I gave you one. The fact that it's important that a decision was made and that's how we learn for those listening, no matter what decision you make, whether it's right or wrong, it's whether you choose to learn from it. Now, if you do the same thing again, now you're just being ignorant and you're being negligent because now you clearly go through the same thing and it's like, hey, remember last time you went left, you fell off the cliff. Oh, I'm gonna go left again. Maybe I won't fall. No, dumbass, you're gonna fall. So now that's on you, you know what I mean? But I think that's important too. And and, and I know like, again, like I always say with the political world, like I, I know there's a whole bunch of backdoor stuff that happens, I'm sure. Even as we speak, I'm sure there's backdoor things happening. And I think a lot of that needs to cease too, like where, where it gets borderline shady, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So. I mean, and I think I was thinking about this the other day. I went to an event a couple months ago and somebody was saying something along the lines you've got to live 
provide a story. Um, somebody that hasn't had like experiences, hasn't had struggles, has had it easy their whole life. Not saying that that person is a bad person, but when yeah. you're trying to help people, the majority of people in this country have are have and are going through struggles, and having someone that you can relate to that knows where you've been, you know, has been in the military, has done the things that you've done. I think that's important. Um, yeah. Yeah, it is. It is totally. And if you haven't gone through hardships and you're trying to make a difference, like at least for me personally, you have to work twice as hard as the person who's gone through shit. Mm -hmm. Because if you haven't, I'm not going to take away from what they're trying to do because it's 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 honorable that they're trying to do that. But you have to back up yourself even more, which means now you really have to put your money where your mouth is because you haven't been through that. You know, so you have to really back it up in a different way because yeah. you don't have that personal experience. You have to try to try, I would say try to use empathy, but um, it's hard because you didn't go through it. Whereas for someone like you or like me now, it's like, Hey, look, I went through this, like relating to the, like you say, the average American person, you know, like we work, we have bills, you know, like yeah. not saying it gives us the automatic edge, but it's like, Hey, over here, you know, like you got rich person over here. They don't work, but Hey, I'm over here working. I'm doing a campaign thing. I got kids. I got a dog. I got a cat, a pig, a horse, and all this other stuff. You know, like <laughs> just just a dog, a little chihuahua. <laughs> but yeah, I was, I didn't. If you did, I'd have been like, "Whoa, I got that." Right. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be funny if I all of a sudden had a little pig coming in. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, "Whoa, it's a service pig." <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Haven't we seen like stories of that? Like people are having like the most non-traditional like service animals. Yeah, like there's some that are kind of out there, but I know pigs are pretty smart. Yeah. I know they're smart, but I saw I don't know if you remember the one. It was about a dang peacock going onto an airplane. No, oh, stop yes. it. Get that damn bird off the plane. That bird does nothing except you getting attention because you have a peacock. Now, if you call the peacock and it comes and you tell that joker to sit and it sits, okay, then I'll entertain it. You know? <laughs> Like you'd be like, hey, fluffy, sit, and the thing goes. Like then, then I might be like, okay, all right, I want to do some more stuff because now, now I'm interested. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, I know. So I mean, that's kind of like you know the message that I want to kind of give to you know anybody that's listening that's a veteran. Um, I know this uh, podcast program is you know tar guided you know towards veterans is you know if 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 i can kind of articulate a, a, a positive message is you know you know you got to set your purpose in life of what you want to accomplish you know i know things get hard and you're going to have a lot of people telling you you can't do this along the way trust me i've had in my 36 years that i've been on this earth starting as far as back when i told that one boss that i was doing courses i couldn't do that I'm it, you know, set your purpose and set your um, mindset, you know, and persevere. You know, once you get your mind on something, it's going to be hard. But as long I, I wrote down this quote, it says, when your why is big enough, you will find your how like it's going to come naturally. Um, and I think that's, that's, that's important. <laughs> yeah, no, that's perfect. Like that's and I've, I've done a couple of things, even like little videos by myself talking about like your why 
and your how and your purpose and things. And that's kind of how my wife and I came up with this name of this podcast, you know, warrior mindset and motivation. Because when you think of a warrior, you think of someone who will constantly fight and will stop at nothing and will die if they have to, because that is a, the embodiment of a warrior. And they have that mindset that no matter what's going to come in their way, they're going to keep going. And I think when veterans get out, there might be, and I'm not going to say for all of them because, you know, that's, that's a broad statement. You can't do that. But I think a lot of us forget that. I know I did. I forgot that. I forgot my capabilities and having that mentality of like being untouchable. Like when I was deployed in Afghanistan, wearing all my gear with my M4 and my nine and a shotgun and ammo and things, I felt like I could not die. Like there was like, no, you're not going to kill me. Look at me. Like, no, like there's no way you're killing me. And when we get out, it's like we kind of lose sight of that. Yeah. And, and, and I, yeah. Go ahead. I think that's I think that's part of lot, the biggest struggle that a lot of veterans have, like transitioning from military to civilian service. Yeah, it's, and it, it's an identity thing. Yeah, it's an identity thing, and I honestly, you know, think that. I mean, there's researchers out there, and I was telling this to somebody the other day. So I had to resign my government position to run for office. I think, I don't think I mentioned that. Um, no. And I decided that I want to. Uh, I, I switched over my medical care 100% to the VA because, you know, that's a benefit that I have. And I see how hard it is for me that has the resources available to me easier than, you know, some veterans that are homeless that are struggling. I can see how people, like veterans are struggling because if it's so hard for people like you and me that have it a little bit easier, I can only imagine somebody that is struggling. And that's one of the things that I kind of want to, help with yeah and that, and that's that's super important because especially the the veterans and then and really honing in on the combat veteran guys like army marines guys who were used to living with nothing and i've done that when you're homeless it's just like hope oh, i'm deployed again you know like you know just gonna tough it out you know hey can't get any worse than this you know and you kind of just roll with that and that's where people like you come in and be like hey no you don't have to be homeless there, Mr. Mrs. Come over here. Let's get you signed up into the VA. Let's see where your your disabilities are. What have you done? You know, let's make sure you qualify, first of all, because that you do have to qualify. Yeah. You know, um, even if your stuff was dishonorable discharge, there are certain things you can do to get it switched to a general, depending on how much time has elapsed and things like that and what you did. So, like, not completely <clears throat> thrown in the dark. <clears throat> so yeah, but it's so hard. The process is so hard. Yes, I know. I I I I feel like in the last like maybe f uh, ten years, like ten years when I first got out of the military, it was so hard. I remember trying to get into the VA and it's like put up a claim, and it took like over three years for them to come back and give me an answer. I know yeah. that that's gotten a little bit better, and it doesn't take that long, but it's just. Yeah still so hard to, yeah, you know, gotten, that's gotten easier. Um, I know for me, you do most of your VA stuff when you get out before you get out now, and then yeah. you'll get your stuff in 60 days. So you won't get nothing. You won't know your rating for 60 days. Now the hell part is, is when you want to submit stuff after that's where your timeline kicks in. Like I'm still waiting for an appeal for PTSD because I got my rating increased. Um, but there's that gap 
uh, percentage for um, retroactive pay. Uh, okay. And that's been two years now. And I think I'm like 79,000 packets ahead of me still. And I was, and I jumped in at like 105 packets, 105,000 packets, that's, you know? That's crazy to me. There's so, got to be a better process. <laughs> so, you know, and, and that's just because I chose to appeal mine and it get before, I think it goes before like a, like an appeals board. I want to say a judge, but I don't know if a judge is the right word, but I'll call it that. So yeah. I have to wait for that person for them to look at it and I'll go with my VSO and then we'll articulate why and this and the paperwork and the proof is there. Like everything is there on paper. They just didn't, it's like no one did their due diligence to, yeah. to backdate it. So like <laughs> imagine trying to start a whole fresh, like coming off the street with nothing, submitting all that stuff. Now I know that they have given priority to homeless or if you're in danger of being homeless, there are those that are streamlined. Okay. So I do know those that you kind of, they kind of go around the line and okay. go to the front. So that I do know. So if you guys who are listening know someone in that boat. Um, I did not danger, know that. Yeah. If you're in danger of being homeless or homeless um, and you have a good VSO, because that's important. Uh, don't pay okay. for your ratings. Say again. Okay. What's a VSO again? Uh, veterans, veteran services officer. Okay. Uh, every county city has one. Don't pay an attorney or anything to get your stuff done because they're going to take your cut. If you get back, if you get paid, they're going to take from it. Yeah. Yeah. Get a good VSO. Uh, or even the, the VFW has it. American Legion. They all have reps. Reps are there and the, the get a good one and they submit your stuff. Yeah. The DAV, the disabled American veterans also. Yeah. DAV. Yeah. They're, they're a good one too. Um, so those are just some things for people who are out there. If you know anyone like that, they do have those processes and it even will tell you on, on the, the website, when you look for your status of your packet, I think it's a, a little bit under where you look where, like where mine is. It'll say, if you're in danger of homeless or are homeless, click here. And then whoever submitted your stuff or your representative can help you move your packet to the front. So that way it gets seen faster. And you don't have to wait. Okay. But of course you well, have to have proof. You can't just say I'm homeless and then you live in a house. You know, like, unless yeah. you're kind of crashing with someone. So there's yeah. there's that too. Don't lie because they're going to get you. <laughs> yeah. Gotta be, honesty is the best policy. <laughs> yeah, there it is. And transparency is key. Yes. But um, that's that's kind of, we're going to wrap, we're going to start closing it up here uh, just to kind of re-throw back Mariela's message. And I kind of wrote it here and threw a little spin on it. You had set your purpose in life and then go get it. You know, and she she is a prime example of that. As you can see, she went through a lot. Um, and I don't like to compare anyone's lives because everyone's life is different. Just because your life was hard doesn't mean someone else's life that didn't sound as hard as yours doesn't mean that their life or I mean, your life isn't harder because you're in it and they weren't. Yeah. So and that's like comparing combat traumas. You can't do that just because you didn't experience any direct combat doesn't mean you didn't get any combat trauma while you were there. So she went through a lot and she went through points debating back and forth. And now she's back on the right. I won't say the right path, but she's back on track now. And, and I'm sure she keeps on and she pulls that, uh, that ace of spades in her pocket, that Hispanic card, you know, just kind of just goes like this and goes, ace, you know, yeah. I mean, there's a lot more to it than that. I just, you know, that we talk about representation in other groups. Yeah. Representation is important. Yeah. Trans women, minority, uh, Hispanic, Latinos, 
Um, I was at a fair the other day and I met so many people that were Hispanic and like didn't really speak speak English. And when they realized that I spoke Spanish and I started talking to them about like what I was doing or they registered to vote, they were so surprised because they felt a lot of people were saying we've never really had anybody in this area that can we one, we can understand and two can talk to us. Yeah, no, and that's that's awesome. And it's like same for me. I'm I'm Hispanic also. I'm uh, both my parents are Cuban. So when they find out I speak Spanish, people are like, what? Like they, 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 they figure the last name and they're like, you? And I'm like, yeah. And then I throw some lines out there and then they're like, wow. You know, like completely blow their mind away. Um, and it's always good too. I'll sit there and I hear people talking or, and I'll just be like, mm, they're talking crap. <laughs> oh, geez. Oh my yeah. God, how many times have you been at a line at a store where somebody's like behind you, like talking smack? Or like in front of them, even, talking smack about the person in front or the register, and then they turn around and start talking to them in Spanish. <laughs> and then I like my classic one is when I hear that, I, and, and it's great because I'll hear it and I'll just turn around and be like, "Dime, no, no me diga, claro que sí," and then just be like, <laughs> <"They're> like <laughs> and they just, "You see their shock and they're like, oh crap, he understands, but he looks white. What the hell, you know, like." <laughs> Those are, those are classic. <laughs> yeah, so those are those are the best. But um, just so we close it up here, I want to thank you for uh, coming on here. Um, and this will help too. You can share this with your, I guess we can call it a campaign trail, even though you're not going anywhere. But you can put it yeah, on your social media campaign. I'll share it with my friends and family and put it on. Yeah, and this is a right, good so message. Way, yeah, so that way they can see what you're about, how you can yeah. fix you. You know, I know you, and I see people writing here. A guy named Evan called you a go-getter, so uh, <laughs> you know, uh, she she'll get it done in where she lives at in her district. She she has that mentality of getting it done. Look at and like I say, look at what she went through. Don't put yourself out of it. Look at what she's done, and ask yourself, can she fix the problems? That's what you have to do. Is when you hear someone speaking or talking. You got to separate yourself and ask yourself, can they fix these problems? Are they able and capable? And I know for your district, um, reminds me of Hunger Games, uh, your district, you, you'll be, you know, you know, uh, you, you'll do good. <laughs> but, uh, I love that. <laughs> we call it the Hunger Games voting system. There we go. <laughs> yes. But uh, <laughs> thanks for coming on and everyone. Podcasts are back. Um, this will be uploaded all around through Pandora, iHeartRadio, Google, Apple, and all those other ones. Good pods or wherever you listen to. Tell your family, tell your friends, cats, dogs, animals. Uh, if you talk to aliens, tell them to tune into. Um, tell them to turn in their little antennas to listen because we talk <laughs> about some good stuff over here. Uh, getting veterans plugged in, bringing them back in, and trying to just lift up the veteran community so that way uh, veterans can find a way out of the dark. Because I know I was in the dark place. Now I'm not in there anymore. So um, anything awesome. I can do, anything I can do to help, you know, help veterans, I'm, I'm all about that. And that's why I bring on guests like Mariella here to say, hey, guys, gals, you don't have to sit there no more. Get up, stand up, come this way. Just listen to my voice and come to it. As it gets louder, just come this way because we emit light. So yeah. as soon as you get closer, you'll see our light. And once you see it, just keep coming this way. Yeah. And we won't do it for you, but we will help you. And then once you pass me, I'm going to push you. <laughs> but I will hold your hand. I'm just going to go keep going. Don't turn around. Keep going that way. You know, so uh, again, thanks for coming on. Thank I you know for having me. 
busy schedule, you know, doing the whole political thing. So I, I do appreciate you carving some time out to do no this. Problem. This is awesome. I'm glad that the work that you're doing, I didn't realize how many like podcasts you had. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't so realize I the Jessica Lynch one last night. <laughs> that was like amazing and compelling because I followed her story for a very long time. Um, you got lots of great people coming on and you got a good message going. Oh, and I appreciate it. Well, you're, you're, in historical, you're in the archives too now. So there you go. And if there's ever anything, like I like I tell people, if there's ever anything who comes on or if anyone knows someone, you can send me a message and I'll check them out because just some people aren't the right fit. But most yeah. of the people have been. So, and if there's people who want to come on again and you want to talk about something specific, we can narrow it down, kind of work out some things and see if it actually fits and jives. So if there's something you ever have that's specific, like maybe uh, female veterans, women's and maybe politics or something like that. I don't know, making that up right now. And you want to do that? We can do that and talk specifically about that. You know, yeah, and then- yeah, no, I'm glad that you said that because I do have a couple topics that I've been kind of working on with friends um here recently. So yeah, I'll hit you up. There's a lot of like specific topics that I have learned in the last two months that I just was not even aware that was happening. Yeah. And that's perfect. And we can and we can do that. They can be little segments and that's and I don't have no problem with that. And plus for my last little note, Veteran Podcast Awards. I've been sharing it here now and there, but um, this is towards the end. It's VeteranPodcastAwards.com. It's the okay. first annual. My podcast is up for running for uh, under the health and fitness category, Top Army Podcast, and then Best Overall. So that's three categories. Go to top, okay. um, VeteranPodcastAwards.com. Yeah, I'm going to put that on my – if anybody watching, please go on – do we gotta vote for you? How does it work? Okay. Yeah, you go to the website and then there'll be a little banner that says vote, and then there'll be like a little pop-up acknowledging thing. You click OK, and there'll be a bunch of categories. And there's also other veterans there too, like different categories, different branches. So I encourage you to check out their stuff too. You know, just when it comes to the army side, this guy right here. <laughs> right here. No, just kidding. But um but not kidding. So, but uh, <laughs> I love this. This is awesome. <laughs> so, and there's another great podcast out there, um, you know, from different branches, and they all have their own little specific things. You got health and fitness. You got um, one guy talks about nonprofits, and then you got like business, and you got a whole bunch of other categories. So, if you really want to hear about what veterans are doing podcast wise, check that website out. Vote for your favorite podcast. I'm in health and fitness, top army, and best overall. You have till the 18th of September to vote, and then results will be published, I believe, sometime in October, early October, something like that. So if you haven't got there, get there um, and give everybody a vote. And if you go to my profile on Facebook, there is a VPA promo that I did share on there. So you can check that out. It's one of the guys who kind of uh, spearheaded it, Marine guy. No, he's an Air Force guy, but the guy who set it all up is a Marine. So pretty cool stuff. That's kind of what's going on with the veteran community. So um, again, just why I had to put that in there that kind of popped in my head. I was like, oh, see? <laughs> oh, see? Oh, see? Now the gears are working. You will watch out. <laughs> Congress and the House of Representatives, I'm coming. I'm going to fire all of y'all. New people, everyone. Yes, they all, new blood. <laughs> yeah, new, fresh, young blood. Everybody's fired. <laughs> but um, no, I appreciate you having you on. And then Thank everybody, you. have a great Thursday. And I hope you guys keep grinding with your week and see you guys next week. Bye. Thank you.